This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello, welcome to the Self Love Club. I'm always trying to think of a different way to say hello, but I feel like I always do it the same. Anyway, these are head thoughts, but they're coming across on microphone thoughts. How are you? Welcome. Thank you for joining me, the podcast chatting about stuff that matters, real talk and lols. I'm your host, podcaster Belle Crawford, and on the show, we're joined by best-selling author Jordana Levine. If you've been part of the Self Love Club for a while, you may have listened to our conversation with Jordana last year was all about love. If you haven't listened or you'd like to listen again, I'll leave the link in the show notes. It turns out while researching for our first chat, I landed myself a boyfriend and we touch on this in today's conversation. Jordana has released another book in her self-development series, Make You Happen. Are you a self-confessed self-help and personal development queen? Uh, I'm pretty sure most of our hands are up right now. Well, this episode is for you. Get ready to have your mind blown a bit. And why is self-awareness so important? Manifesting has been a buzzword for a while now. Millennials will remember our mum's obsession with the secret throwback. So how do you actually manifest your best life? Smudged it crystals or not? Find out in my conversation with Jordana. Let's get into it. Jordana, welcome back to the Self Love Club. Thank you so much for having a chat with us again. Oh, thanks for having me. A year ago, we were talking to you about your books and well on your latest book. Tell us a little bit about that. So the new book is called Make You Happen. And it's a follow up to my first book, which was called Make It Happen. Um, And Make It Happen was all about manifestation. It was like this really quick sort of formula for manifesting. Make You Happen is sort of working on the basis that in order to manifest what you want, you have to first acknowledge that you manifest who you are. And in order to do that, you need to have a really acute sense of self-awareness. So this book is basically about how to become more self-aware. And the reason I wrote it was because not only is self-awareness a really good foundation for a manifestation practice, it's actually the foundation for all personal development and self-help work. And until you sort of really know yourself and understand yourself, then there's really no room to improve or to better yourself or even just to grow and develop. Now we'll go through all that soon. I want to run through. I love like the chapter layout and how you can, they're always, your books are always, you're not just reading it, but then you go through and you do exercises with it as well. So we'll go through that. We'll break it all down. Those of uh, listening who may not have listened to the other podcast, or maybe they haven't read your books and they definitely should check out your podcast. Tell us a bit about yourself and how you came to writing your own books. Yeah, um, my background is journalism. So 
I have written forever, but I mean, the only reason I ended up as a journalist was because in the early 2000s when I graduated from high school and it wasn't much difference before and it's not that different after, if you wanted to be a writer, that was pretty much your only avenue. So I studied media and communications and I ended up in journalism and I actually ended up as a food writer, funnily enough, which is not where I am today. But I did that for many, many years and I kind of climbed the corporate ladder and then I started freelancing on my own. And slowly I started to write about the things that mattered to me and that I cared about. And uh, Manifestation was the very first thing that sort of became a book. From there, I sort of, I figured out what my niche was when it came to writing personal development and self-help. And it was taking these concepts that can sometimes feel really big and spiritual and a little bit woo-woo and making them really practical and relatable and digestible. So that's, that's what I've done now. I've got three personal development books out there. I've got a podcast about the moon, which is also really, really practical and relatable. Yeah, that's kind of where I carved a genre for myself. Make It Happen was your first book and that's a really helpful one with manifestation. And then you did Higher Love, which I got to say, when I was researching to chat to you a year ago for Higher Love, I think it was it was just over a year now. So I was listening to the, the podcast you did as part of that, which was really interesting. These people's stories as they were doing your exercises. I read your book and at that time, after listening through researching for the, our interview, I actually met someone um, while doing that work, like we've just had a year anniversary. So while I was researching to chat with you, um, yeah, I met someone and your tips were so helpful. And it was, it wasn't even like I was purposely doing it. It was more so that I knew about you. And, and when I would chat to you, we could, you know, I could talk about what you were actually doing. So I thought that was really cool. Oh, that is so cool. I love that story. Yeah. yeah. That, there's been a lot of success stories from people who've read Higher Love. So yeah, that feels really good. Yeah. And whenever anyone says to me, like, you know, can you find me a boyfriend? It's like, no, first of all, they will find you. And I always <laughs> send them the link to that podcast and your book as well. But so many dating things are like, do this, do this, but it's actually about what do you want? What do you want to feel like? And once you start doing on that, doing that stuff, that it's just a point of difference. And I think it's really powerful. Yeah. And, and I mean, you just touched on it there. The, the basis of higher love really was a self-awareness practice and it was the basis of make it happen too. It's a self-awareness practice. So it's really important that self-awareness is something that's sort of filtering through every aspect of your life. And that's, that's why I wrote this third book. Yeah. So talk us through making, make you happen. And I guess it's that following on from make it happen. And how does it differentiate and how did it all come about? Well, it came about because I had decided I wanted to write a book of essays, which I'm not sure why, but I was obsessed with that Lena Dunham book that she wrote in the early 2000s, which was a book of essays about her life. And I was like, I could do that. And as I was writing it, the sort of common theme between all, all of the essays was this self-awareness theme. And I thought, okay, that, you know, there's something in this, but it wasn't quite working. Like the book just wasn't sort of fitting together properly. But the more I wrote, the more I realized what a foundation it was for manifestation. And, you know, a lot of the people that read my books, that it's such a huge interest for them. And I thought, wow, like this really is the missing piece. So we did decide at that point to make it a follow-up, to make it happen. And the way that they differ is that this third book really, it's sort of like taking a step back from that manifestation practice where we like sit down, we write our intentions, we get clear on what we want. And then we sort of like go through the equation, which is this really snappy, quick 
equation for manifesting. What this is saying is, hang on, let's just stop a minute and look at who we are on all levels. And I split self-awareness into six aspects and sort of like really getting to know yourself on all these different levels, your strengths and your weaknesses, so that you can understand who you are fundamentally and then apply that to manifestation. Yeah. So this book is really cool because it has, I'm just going to get the contents page up here, but it has a lot of practical exercises. And you know, when you're wanting things, of course, we're the common denominator, right? We can say mm. we want all these things. We want this dream career. We want this relationship. We want to live in this area or whatever it is but if we're not putting that awareness on ourselves that's where it really all starts right yeah absolutely yeah you're the common denominator and the thing is like what I'm trying to get people to the place of which is where I feel like I'm at at the moment is if you can concentrate on who you are and vibrating on a frequency that is you at your most authentic you're less inclined to have to sit down and manifest specific things because all of the things that are attracted to this authentic frequency of you are going to come to you whether you consciously manifest them or not. And that's really exciting because it means that there's surprises in life that you didn't even know you wanted that are coming into your field because they're meant to be there for you. So firstly, let's go through the three steps of self-awareness. So what, obviously, I don't want to give everything in the book and people could do the work for themselves, but briefly run us through the three steps of self-awareness. Yeah, so the three steps are applied throughout the book um, and they're really simple. It is what is needed for an active self-awareness practice. And the three steps of self-awareness are curiosity, that's step one, acceptance, step two, and embodiment, step three. The, what it is, is it's sort of like as you become more self-aware, as you move through life, it's taking yourself through those three steps. So the curiosity piece is like asking questions self-reflecting. How do I feel about this situation? What could I have done differently? What action steps am I taking to move forward? Getting curious about who you are. What are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? Not using those weaknesses as an excuse, but embracing them and saying, okay, I have this limitation. What am I going to do about it? Then there's the acceptance piece because it's one thing to sort of get curious, but it's another thing to acknowledge it and accept something about yourself. Like this is who I am, whether it's because of this circumstance, or I grew up this way or whatever it might be. It's like accepting that and saying, okay, this is part of who I am. This is my personality. This is who I show up as. And then the next bit is once you make all these discoveries, it's integrating it. It's embodying it. It's showing up as that version of you every single day. Yeah. And that's what I love about your work is it's things you can actually do. It's not just this woo-woo nice idea that one day will come to life. It's like, no, get to work. You know, you want that? Well, what are you going to do to get it? And that's what I really like about what you do. Yeah. And I think this is why a lot of people struggle with personal development and self-help. And I certainly do. I really struggle with classic PD and self-help books because I feel like that's it. They sort of give you these concepts and you're like, well, that concept's great, but you've got no sort of room to apply it or no guidance to apply it. And so none of it's integrated. And then you just move on to the next thing and wonder why it didn't work. Mm. Yeah. And that's where I think a lot of us that are into self-development or self-work, you buy, end up buying so many different books, listen to so many different things, watch so many different things. And then, yeah, you're right. It's like a, not a waste of time because it's all development, but I guess not a lot of things really work. Yeah. Yeah. But they don't, yeah, they don't work because we, we're not actually applying them to ourselves. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's not the thing's fault. It's definitely us. <laughs> it's that self-awareness, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. If you are doing work for yourself, but it's relying on something external, it's not self-help. 
That's such a good point, isn't it? We all think we need this fix or this thing, but it's really in ourselves. Still to come, what are the six aspects of self-awareness and how can we put them into practice to become self-aware queens? Jordana explains the link between self-awareness and self-care and Jordana shares a trap a lot of us find ourselves in. We'll be back after a quick break. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. And that leads us on to the six aspects of self-awareness in your next chapters. So run us through those a little bit. And obviously people yeah. need to go read your book to go through it properly. But how are the, yeah. what are those aspects of self-awareness? Yeah, I mean, self-awareness is such a big sort of concept. I was like, okay, I kind of need to break it down. Um, and it's really the aspects of self. I was trying to look at what were the most beneficial things to address within ourselves to become more self-aware. And I split them into six groups. So the first thing is identity, how we identify. And for many of us, most of us, myself included, uh, we identify by external means. We identify by, you know, what we look like, body image, what we wear, what we do for a living, you know, all of these things. And, And none of that is wrong. All of that applies, absolutely. But if you can only identify yourself by external means, um, what happens if any of those things are taken away from you? So it's about finding a way to identify that's based on something internal, that's an inner part of you. So we sort of unpack that in that part of the book. The next aspect of self is around emotions. How do you process emotions? How do you express emotions? Recognizing that everybody expresses and processes emotions differently. And once you can understand and have awareness of how you do it, life changes. And if you've read Make It Happen, you'll know that feelings are a huge part of manifestation. So understanding how you emote can change the manifestation game completely. Mm. Third aspect of self is energy. And um, this was this is a chapter that's really resonating with people, which surprised me. I get lots of messages about this chapter. It's basically giving permission to people to recognize that everybody recharges their energy and has different energetic capacities to each other. So, you know, there's a very, very, very small percentage of people that are like energizer bunnies that can do a million things and not get exhausted. And we all try and live up to them. And unfortunately, we're not all like that. So what this chapter does is asks you to reflect on your own energetic capacities, look at the different times of day that you are more productive and work that into your work week, looking at the way that you exercise and whether exercise is uh, giving you more energy or depleting you. And if it's depleting you, then it's not the right exercise for you. And then we also look at rest. So lots of different things in that aspect. Fourth aspect is communication, how you communicate, which is one of the most valuable ways that we show up in the world. So either, you know, verbal communication between you and another person, or it could be written communication, body language we talk about. There's all these different types of communication. The next aspect is love, sex, and desire. And I almost wasn't going to put this chapter in because I had written higher love, but love is such a huge part of who we are. It's how we um, can connect to ourselves, but also how we connect 
to others. And desire is a huge part of manifestation, you know, what we desire for ourselves and what we desire for our lives. And then the last chapter is intuition and spirituality. And it's recognizing that everyone connects to spirituality in a different way. And just because you don't have crystals and smudge sticks and, you know, wear purple velvet does not mean that you're not a spiritual person. So it's about finding a way that you can connect to spirit in whatever way that means to you. Yeah, such good tips. And I think you're right about the energy thing. And it's hard when we're most people work a nine to five and they're finding the energy is not great through different times of the day. And I guess if you're trying to have a certain life or, or you're trying to make certain things happen with yourself, it's hard when you are I guess lagging and a lot of people are a little bit tired a lot of the time. Yeah, especially especially after the last few years that we've all been through. How do you put that into practice for yourself? I know that, you know, we're all doing things where we've got to be self-motivated, but writing books must be incredibly hard to motivate yourself, find that energy day in, day out, writing so many of them. Uh, yes, it is. So, and I talk about it in the book, I only work for about three hours a day, which is frustrating for me because if I could work eight hours a day and feel fantastic, I would do it because I could get stuff done a lot faster than I do now. But I do know that I really am only productive for about three hours. That doesn't mean I don't work for the other five hours of the day. It just means I sort of do the stuff that requires productivity in a time slot that I know I can do it, which for me is early in the morning. So from about seven to 10, I get most of my stuff done. And then anything after that is kind of doesn't require as much brain power. And so if you're like at a nine to five job and you're like, oh, oh, you know, this woman gets to work from home. She can do whatever she wants. It's easy for her. Yes, absolutely. I am very privileged in that respect. But when I was working in corporate, what I used to do was kind of look at what hours of the day I needed to be creative or what hours of the day I could put aside for sort of menial tasks. Like if I had to fill out forms or do sort of data entry or whatever it might be. And the stuff that didn't require me to have the kind of energy where I perhaps needed to do a presentation, all of that sort of stuff. So you sort of work out by looking at yourself where your energy lacks and where it rises throughout the day and then organize your work schedule accordingly where you can. How have you seen, and I know you have manifested a lot of things in your life, how have you seen manifestation and I guess what you've put out to the world and make it happen and now make you happen what kind of things have you manifested? If people are listening to this going, oh, well, how can I manifest what I want? Obviously you can uh, listen or read these books, but how, what have you manifested for yourself? I kind of look at manifestation a little bit differently these days. Like back when I wrote Make It Happen, which was three years ago now, you know, I had a lot of sort of like big things that were manifesting that I could say, you know, I manifested a car twice. I manifested my book deals. I manifested, you know, my house where I'm living, like all of that sort of stuff. These days, I feel like they're less big, but everything that comes into my life, whether it's encounters with people, whether it's work opportunities, whether it's relationships, whatever it might be, I have full awareness that all of that has come into my orbit because of who I'm vibrating as and who I am. You know, I went through 
a tricky year last year, which I know a lot of people have done in the last couple of years. Last year was particularly tricky for me. And I did have to rebuild myself into, into the person that I had become because I wasn't the person I was before. It was a strong, acute self-awareness practice that got me to sort of rediscover who I was now after I'd been through, you know, a certain experience. And from that place, I've started to manifest new things that have come in. And yeah, it's like different work opportunities, different ways of looking at my finances, different relationships. I think if we look at manifestation from sort of a creation point of view and creation in terms of what you create within your own life, it's a lot more rewarding experience, I think. Do you think, and for a lot of people and maybe yourself, it's a lot less material now about, a lot. you know, when The Secret became a thing, and I know you talk about that in your first book, but, you know, when that first came back, it was very material. It was like, I want this house and I want this car. And I think that's okay. But do you think it's more, it's less material for you now? It is less material for me now because I kind of know that the material things don't really satisfy me on a deep level. And I also know that, you know, like if you're living manifestation day to day, then cars are not just going to sort of fly into your orbit, you know, and it's so much more rewarding to have the work opportunity come in for you to buy the car if you so choose to, you know? Yeah. Yeah. How, you know, when you talk about, and I think that's a really good point of manifesting the life you want and when things happen, you know, challenges in your in your personal life or whatever it is, can people then fall back on, well, not fall back, you know what I mean? They can use their manifestation and their self-awareness to rebuild themselves and our lives are constantly changing. What we want's constantly changing. Obviously, it's very personal and I'm not expecting you to go into everything, but how do you use that to build yourself up again? What does that look like? I think it's recognizing that we are human and that we do change. And so, you know, self-awareness is a lifelong practice, which kind of makes it less exciting and less sexy than say manifestation as like this really kind of cute little tidbit that we sort of just take away and put into practice. Self-awareness is a lifelong practice and it is about constantly being curious about who you are moment to moment through each experience that you go through. And so if you do go through an experience that dismantles you, that makes you feel like you're not the person that you were before, it's getting curious again and saying, okay, that's okay. Like we evolve as humans, we change, things change around us. How am I feeling now? Who do I show up as now? How do I communicate after this event? You know, whatever it might be. And so for you on a practical sense, what did that look like? What did you do? And does a lot of that, do you think, come down to self-care? Yeah, it was big self-care practices for me. Being really gentle on myself, removing judgment of myself, not projecting onto other people what I thought they would be thinking or feeling about me. I think that we do that a lot as humans, which is just so debilitating. And really just trying to get myself to a place each day where I felt stronger and I felt more aligned with the person who I wanted to become. Mm. Yeah. And what is that person you want to become? What are you, I guess we're all working towards something like, you know, is it just being happy? Is it, is it doing what you love every day? For me, it was a big part of, of what I struggled with was being able to celebrate success. I'm very much being that type of person who will live through one 
success and instantly be on to the next one, if not halfway through it. And so finding it really hard to sort of stop and look back at all that had been achieved. And so my practice right now is to really allow myself to celebrate successes um, and enjoy them before moving on to the next one. Because I think there's no satisfaction in a life like that, where you just keep moving to the next thing. And, you know, I use work successes as an example, but I was going through similar patterns in relationships too. You know, I'd sort of hit a mark with them and um, it's something that I'd been wanting to create for a really long time and it wouldn't be satisfactory enough. I'd be trying to create more, 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 more. And so really sort of just pulling my myself back and saying, well, what is the end goal here? And if you finally reach that destination, then what what's next if you're not satisfied with that? you know? Yeah, yeah. I think that's such a big thing though. And it's so relatable. And thank you for sharing that. You know, we do live in this world where it's like this thing and the next thing, but I think it's really important to celebrate the things you are doing because you work, you work so long and hard for them that it's okay to take a moment. I think it's a state of being and like doing the whole time. And it's almost, does it sort of tap into more that masculine energy a little bit? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And that has been another big practice for me is like dropping into that receivership of feminine energy, you know, like receiving praise, receiving the accolades for the work that have, that I've done and also receiving it from myself, you know, giving myself a pat on the back or whatever it might be. I'm, I'm just very type A personality, masculine energy. Totally, totally. And that's so good that you're coming to that place of that because I think it's okay to take a break. You don't have to be not taking a break. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to keep pumping everything out. You can actually just take a minute to go, hey, that was a really epic book or that was a really cool deal I did there. I can I can rest for a little bit before jumping into the next thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Talking about self-care, what is your, obviously you've done a lot of it to get yourself feeling good and, you know, rebuilding yourself a bit. What does that look like for you currently? Because we love talking about self-care. It's always changing for us at different times of our life and everyone's so different. So what does that look like for you living in a beautiful Byron Bay? Yeah, it's funny. For me, um, lately, self-care has been a lot of alone time. I've been an introvert my whole life. So like I'm quite adequate at knowing that in order to recharge, I need to be on my own. But I've I've really had to step it up in the last year and drop all of the guilt around it and recognize that resting, whether it be a nap or just lying down on the couch or just shutting my phone off from communication from people is an act of self-care and it's not something that I need to feel guilty about. Being out in nature, definitely. Byron went through some devastating things this year with the floods. It also really messed up our beaches and I took for granted how much I needed the ocean in order to recharge. I mean, we, yeah, we couldn't swim for months because of the things that were washing up on shore. It was a bit toxic in there. Um, And I realized what a self-care practice that was for me. So, you know, I found some different ways to recharge, whether it's just walking on the beach, you know, feeling the sand between my toes or going for a bushwalk. Yeah. Anything nature immersing. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to touch on one thing back on the self-awareness thing. And I think this is something that a lot of people are interested in. Self-awareness when it comes to spirituality and intuition, you know, the things we tell ourselves 
the things we pick up on. Do you think working on that helps us to then actually pick up on things? Maybe we're a gut feeling or, or something we're being led to do? Absolutely. So one of the big things I talk about in the chapter on intuition and spirituality is the fact that a lot of us are looking for external validation on things that we really can be validating internally. And when we don't practice listening to our intuition, when we ignore gut feelings, we tend to rely on the external more, 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 more. If you can get yourself to a place, and I try and teach it in the book, but where you do check in with yourself first, where you do see where your inner knowing is landing or where your intuition is guiding you before you seek the advice of other people, because I don't want people to think that, you, you know, you can't ask people for advice, but sort of seeing where you land on it first, if we can do that more and more and start to listen then we're able to trust that we do always know the right way to, to handle things or to check in with things or to move forward. Yeah. What are some ways that we can help ourselves to become more aware? And I guess, especially when it comes to not, you know, ignoring signs and, and things that are coming up or gut feelings you're having, what are some things we can do on a regular basis and start working on some practical things we can do? Yeah. It's the self-reflection piece. I think asking yourself constantly, how did this experience make me feel? Or how does this person make me feel? And really checking in with your feelings to sort of see where you're at with things, asking yourself, am I showing up in in an authentic way in this situation and if not what is preventing me from doing that so really yeah getting curious asking the questions looking at in areas of your life where your strengths are and where maybe you are limited and seeing what you can do about that that's all we've got time for thanks for listening to the self-love club if you enjoyed this episode make sure you hit subscribe select automatic downloads Leave us a five-star rating and write us a glowing review. These are ways to really help support us and get our podcast out there so others can find us as well. You can share the link with your friend. Maybe they are a manifesting queen or they want to be. Uh, you can send this along and help them out as well. You can find us and follow at Self Love Club Podcast on Instagram. I'll leave the link in the show notes. I'm at Belle Crawford and Belle underscore Crawford on TikTok. We'll have videos from our chat, which you can watch as well. And we'll catch you soon. Thanks. Love you. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.